Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Luke. Tonight is study number 7 in Luke chapter 18. And we're going to be reading the first several verses, beginning in verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. Well, I'll stop reading there. Now, we're going to move on uh, at this point into verse 2 and into the parable itself. In verse 1, God gave us a great exhortation that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And then the Lord Jesus presents us with his parable, which is an illustration of what he had just said, that that it's an encouragement. Here in this city is a judge, and the judge does not fear God, nor does he regard man. And also in the city is a widow. She came unto the judge and requested that he avenge her of her adversary. And the wicked judge, or the the judge who did not fear God, would not for a, a time, but then he said, Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet the widow is troubling me by her continual coming. And therefore, I will avenge her. Uh, that is, he will hear her cause, and he will respond to it, and he will execute the law in her favor in the cause that she's coming to him for. And then God, uh, he, he um, summarizes it with the statement in verse 6, Hear what the unjust judge saith. The, the unjust judge, what did the unjust judge say? By her continual coming, she weary me, therefore, that's the reason why he will avenge her. That, and, and God is, um, identifying the judge as being unjust. Well, what is God saying to us? What are we to hear through this parable? Let's, uh, go back to verse 2 and and start looking at uh, each verse carefully and see uh, what we can learn uh, about the parable overall 
and then we'll uh, be in a better uh, condition to to understand the point that the Lord is making to us. Back in verse 2, it, it goes on to say, saying, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. God is giving us information about the judge. So let's find out what kind of judge was this. First of all, he did not fear God. And in Psalm 36, it says, beginning in verse 1 of Psalm 36, The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He is left off to be wise and to do good. He deviseth mischief upon his bed. He setteth himself up. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. In these verses, God is telling us about the transgression of the wicked who have no fear of God before their eyes. The judge in this city does not fear God. And therefore, the statements here in this psalm would apply to the judge. The judge flatters himself in his own eyes. He's left off to be wise and to do good. He devised mischief. Uh, He uh, sets himself in, in a way that's not good. And he does not abhor evil. If the judge feared God, on the other hand, then he would abhor evil. Uh, He would set himself in a way that was good. The words of his mouth would be truth and sincerity rather than iniquity and deceit. And he would be a wise man. And so the woman would have a much better possibility, this poor widow woman coming to a just judge. If the judge were just, it would be more likely that she would be heard. But he's not a just judge. No, because he does not fear God. He has no concern for justice. He abhors not evil. Evil doesn't bother him, really. It's not something he hates. He's a judge who does not hate evil. And therefore, someone can come before him with a cause and and the person has been uh, offended, evil has been committed, and that in itself will not cause this judge to render a, a just verdict. He's not concerned about that. He doesn't abhor evil. Well, what else can we know because he does not fear God? In Proverbs chapter 1, it says in verse 7, The fear of Jehovah is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of Jehovah is the beginning of knowledge, and then elsewhere it says the beginning of wisdom. That means since the judge does not fear God, he lacks knowledge, he lacks wisdom. This is not 
the ideal person to bring your concern to it all. In Proverbs chapter 8, it says in verse 13, the fear of Jehovah, and, and this would be the opposite of the judge's condition. He does not fear Jehovah. The fear of Jehovah is to hate evil. We, we saw back in Psalm 36, the wicked who have no fear, they do not abhor or hate evil. But the fear of Jehovah is to hate evil. And this is why God's elect, when they're given a new heart and a new spirit and a new desire to do the will of God, they learn to hate evil, their sin, as a result of the perfect righteous soul that God has placed within them and the indwelling spirit of God. But anyway, the fear of Jehovah is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. So this is all wrapped up in the fear of Jehovah. If if someone had the fear of Jehovah. But the judge's problem is that he does not have the fear of Jehovah, and he is a natural man, and he's a man that is not concerned with God and the law of God. He's not concerned. He has no care for the Bible, we would say. He is not going to be convinced or swayed or moved in any way by the things the Bible says. When this woman comes before him, he is not making reference himself to the word of God for her cause. In any way, the Bible, God, does not come into the situation that this man is using his own thoughts, his own reasoning, his own feelings, just his own ideas in judgment. And not only that, but it says there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. Now, when we first read this, we think, oh, okay, he doesn't fear God, but at least he doesn't regard man. That is, uh, as God has indicated elsewhere, that um, there, there should not be respect of persons in judgment, that, that a judge should not regard the rich and disregard the poor, or a judge should not um, regard those that are powerful and of the upper class and and have no concern for those that that are lowly and 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 so we get the idea well, maybe this judge is an all bad because at least he does not regard man either. But I don't think that's what's in view. Let's go to Proverbs 29. In Proverbs 29, it says in verse 7, um, The righteous considereth the cause of the poor, but the wicked regardeth not to know it. The righteous 
considereth the cause of the poor, but the wicked regardeth not to know it. And that's what's uh, in view with this judge. Not only is he completely uh, unconcerned about God, he has no fear of God, but also he has no regard for the poor. He has no regard for the the elect is spiritually what it's getting to. He not only doesn't care about God and the Bible, he doesn't care about the people of God. He he uh, is not interested if someone is a Christian. He's not interested if someone is um, att- attempting to live uprightly and and themselves to walk in the fear of the Lord. As we know that the Bible does typify the elect as the poor of this world. Remember, Jesus said in in the Beatitudes, in Matthew chapter 5, he says in verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that's the poor that's in view with this statement in Proverbs. The righteous, who would be the Lord Jesus, and the body of Christ, that are made righteous by his obedience, the righteous considereth the cause of the poor, poor in spirit. When when God sent forth the gospel in the day of salvation, it was a result of the righteous considering the cause of the poor. When God has his people feeding the sheep, it's a result of the righteous considering the cause of the poor. But the wicked regardeth not to know it. The, the unsaved individual who has no fear of God he doesn't care what anyone's spiritual condition is. He doesn't care uh, in in the time of salvation that there were people in China or India or Africa who had not yet heard the gospel. Not his concern. And he certainly doesn't care now that Christ commands that his sheep be fed. And again, that we must prophesy to uh, to accomplish it, and 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 therefore the word of God has to go all over the earth. So what? That is not man, the natural man's um, concern in any way. He does not regard to know the cause of the poor, and that's the judge. That's the man. That this poor widow, this the, if you're a widow in days of old, um, it, it was a, a very uh, difficult circumstance to be in, uh, as as we read here in verse three of Luke 18. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, "Avenge me of mine adversary." Now, first of all, we read in verse 2 that also about a city, and there wasn't a city a judge. And now we're reading, there was a widow in that city, which tells us that the judge who is wicked, 
because there's no fear of God before his eyes. He does not regard the, the cause of man or the cause of the poor. The, the, and God, uh, later tells us he was unjust. So here is a wicked man in the city and here is a widow in the same city. And the widow would, would typify, as we saw in Matthew 5, um, the Bible, uh, speaks of a poor widow. Um, those two ideas of being poor and a widow are brought together in Luke 21, where it says, beginning in verse 1, and he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury, and he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, of a truth, I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have a, have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God, but she of her punery hath cast in all the living that she had. So the, the, the poor widow is casting in all her living. That is, she, um, is offering up her life, uh, as it says in Romans 12, uh, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The elect are to offer up their lives, and the widow cast in two mites all her living. It's a picture of someone offering up their life to the service of God. And, and, and so the, when we examine the word widow and the poor in the Bible, we see it does point to the elect, to those individuals God has chosen before the foundation of the world unto salvation. And this widow is in the city with the judge. Therefore, it cannot be the city a reference to Holy Jerusalem. For example, because there's no wicked within that city. And it cannot be the earthly Jerusalem because the, the context here of, uh, God encouraging, uh, to keep praying and, and the widow's request for vengeance and and just the language we'll see as we go on applies to judgment day and and therefore the widow cannot be in the earthly Jerusalem or the church so it cannot be the church and it cannot be the city cannot be the heavenly Jerusalem and that leaves what city what city can it be and the city that's in view is Babylon it's the city that represents the world. It's the city, that that great city Babylon, as we read in Revelation 18. And currently, presently today, we find in Babylon, it's a fallen Babylon, but it's still Babylon, are the unsaved, the wicked, that have no fear of God, neither regard man. And at the same time are poor widows. God's people are still on the earth going through the day of judgment. And, and, and so in the city 
was a widow, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. Now, uh, again, the judge is um, possibly the the worst person that uh, anyone could go to uh, to to uh, and plead their cause before, uh, because the judge doesn't care about God and he doesn't care about the people of God, and here comes an elect before a judge that that is not inclined towards her in any way whatsoever, yet she has no recourse. She, for all we know, this is the only judge in the city, or this is the judge that was appointed her, and she must go to him, so she does. She comes to him, and she lays out her cause, avenge me of mine adversary, and... Uh, and so, who, not only is the unjust judge a problem, but also you can imagine what this judge would be thinking as a widow comes to him. Now, this is not the mayor of the city. It's not a councilman. It's not um, a, an officer of some kind. It's not a rich man even. It's not even um, a farmer uh, who who owns uh, a good-sized piece of land. This is a widow woman, which means she doesn't have a husband. So there's no man to threaten the judge. She's alone, without a husband. And, and uh, you know, God says in 1 Timothy... In chapter 5, in 1 Timothy 5, he speaks of a, a widow, and he says, beginning in verse 3, Honor widows that are widows indeed. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. A widow, a widow indeed. The um, definition of a of a widow indeed, or the or the distinction between just someone who's a widow and someone who's a widow indeed is uh, whether or not she has children. If she has children, she's a widow. If she has no children, she's a widow indeed. She's desolate. She not only has no husband for help, but she has no children to help her. And uh, the, the point in Timothy is if someone's a widow indeed without children, then the church was to help. But if, if they had children, then let the children take care of her. But here, we're not told whether the woman has children or not, which sort of uh, leads us in a direction of thinking she's a, a, a desolate widow. And it is the desolate widow that more typifies the elect. And this uh, widow woman certainly is a type of the elect. So 
But as far as the judge is concerned, it's just a widow all by herself. And in that day and age, uh, a widow was, uh, a desolate widow was um, uh, hardly of anyone's concern. The, the government didn't take care of them. Their neighbors didn't take care of them. It would be their children, if anyone did, who would take care of them. And, and, and so here's the judge and the woman comes before him and she has no power, no power, no wealth, no influence. She, she has really nothing at all. She has nothing at all that would make this judge even begin to bother with her. Uh, you know, he's he's a busy man. He has a lot of things to do, a lot more important cases to hear and to rule upon. Uh, he has some rich and powerful individuals that, that are um, seeking his attention and and uh want him to plead their case and uh, you know they 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 can help him the judge they they at least could offer some benefits and and uh, who knows when you might need their favor somewhere down the line this widow will never be able to help the judge she she's never going to have money she's never going to have a position of power or influence in the city. So what does he care? He doesn't regard fear God or regard man. And the widow can't help him in any way. And and so uh, as she comes seeking that he help her with her adversary, it says in verse 4, and he would not for a while. He would not for a while. And the, the Greek word translated as while is uh, also translated as season. Uh, so, uh, you, you know, this was going on for some time. The, the judge would go to his courthouse or wherever he was located uh, in the morning. Uh, he would take off his cloak and, and hang it uh, on, a, on a hook. And he would sit down and then look at his um, his docket and and see the cases he was going to have to deal with that day. And knock, 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 knock. Ah! <sighs> After a while, I'm sure he sighed. He recognized the weakness of the knock. He recognized perhaps the time of day uh, as as she consistently would come. Maybe early in the morning, as soon as he got there, as soon as he opened the door, and and there was the knock, 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 and and more than likely in disgust, uh, at times he would just let her knock and he wouldn't answer the door, or he would tell his assistant uh, to to send her away, and. And the widow woman would go away. But the next day, knock, knock, knock. And again and again. And maybe she not only knocked in the morning, maybe she came back in the afternoon. 
we're not sure. We don't know. Uh, well, of course, it's a parable. But the idea is she kept coming. Now, you know, this parable fits in with another parable and almost an identical principle that God gives us in the parable of Luke 11. When he says in Luke 11, verse 5, And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Importunity means continual coming. He keeps coming, or shameless, shamelessly, he... Oh yes, I'm sorry. That that's more correct. It's a it's a shameless, bold coming at a time when you shouldn't come. Well, we'll look at this, Lord willing, in our next study. Thanks for joining us for E Bible Fellowship's evening Bible studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over Pal Talk, Skype, E Bible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.